going to read one verse tonight and to deal with the subject of wisdom from above. And uh, again, the idea of this series is that we are inundated with the philosophies of this world on a daily basis, through the media, through all kinds of things. And uh, it's very easy to follow what the world says and what the world calls wisdom and uh, be duped when God has given us his word. Uh, where we find wisdom. And so, through the book of Proverbs, of course, we've been trying to look at some of these subjects where uh, they contrast the wisdom from above versus the wisdom of this world. And we'll look at another one of those subjects here uh, tonight in Proverbs chapter 16. Notice Proverbs 16 and verse 3. Okay, amen. Something was funny. Commit thy works unto the Lord... And thy thoughts shall be established. Let's read that together when I say begin. Ready? Begin. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. All right, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this evening. It's a joy to be here tonight to open up your word. And Lord, I pray tonight that you'd please fill me afresh and anew with thy spirit. Lord, I want to be a blessing, and Lord, I need your power tonight in order for that to happen. We recognize we need you, especially in this subject uh, that is so pertinent to the day that we live in. Give us understanding tonight of what your word teaches about our thinking and our thought life and how we can use that, if it's right, to bring glory to thee and have victory in this world. So bless the message. Use it tonight again to bring glory to yourself. I do ask if someone's here that's lost, that today they get saved, this evening, trust Christ as their Savior. And for those of us that do know you, I pray again you'd work in our hearts as well. Again, remove any distractions from this room and from our minds tonight. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, I want you to notice that verse. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Please notice the phrase, thy thoughts. Thy thoughts shall be established. 2010, Robert Whitaker, not clear if this man's a Christian, and I've mentioned this man before. He's an American journalist and author who writes primarily about medicine. He wrote a book entitled The Anatomy of an Epidemic, in in which he won an award for best investigative journalism. In the book, he gives a brief summary of the history of psychiatry. And he says this, quote, the modern era of psychiatry could be said to have begun in 1954. It was then that the first drug was introduced as a specific antidote to a mental disorder. The drug was Thorazine. Thorazine was said to be an antipsychotic medication. This, he says, kicked off a psychopharmacological revolution. Soon afterwards, all kinds of drugs started to come out. Antidepressants and anti-anxiety agents, they were discovered. And it was said that the development of powerful drugs like these will revolutionize the treatment of mental illness. Well, here it is 70 years later. And you'd think with all of these new breakthroughs, and the addition of hundreds of even newer psychotropic medications, that people would be getting better mentally. But we're not. We're not. In 
1955, there were 355,000 people in state and county mental hospitals because of psychiatric because of a psychiatric diagnosis. That was one in 468 Americans at the time of the population. In 1987, there were 1.25 million people considered disabled by mental illness, one in 184 Americans. In 2007, the disability rate of mental illness soared to nearly 4 million, one in 76 Americans. Today, one in four Americans take a psychiatric drug. One in four. Now, if I did the math right, that sounds like about 90 million people. And the most common, by the way, is antidepressants. Over the past two decades, the number of disabled mentally ill in the United States has tripled. Every day in America, this is a I looked this up today. Every day in America, on average, 1,100 adults and children are being added to the government disability roles because they have become newly disabled by, by what the world calls a mental illness. Now, you'd think in America, with all that we have, with all of the modern uh, conveniences, the material wealth that we enjoy, comparatively speaking, that we in America would and should be the most content, peaceful, joyful people in the world. Right. You'd think that. But the truth is this, the United States is considered to be one of the most anxious nations on earth. We are a people filled with anxiety. Why is that? And I want to ask, where is the peace that God promised? You say, preacher, you, God did not promise the world peace. You're right. He promised believers peace. Absolutely. Okay, so I ask you and me, where's our peace? Where's our peace? Jesus Christ said in John 14, 27 to believers, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if Christ promised this, those words I just said, why do so many believers lack God's peace? Why do many believers struggle today, many of them, with either chronic or acute waves, times of, occasions of, things like anxiety and stress, things like worry and unrest, things like hyperactivity, irritability, at times, some are even unable to function, can't get out of bed, can't cope with life, can't attend to my daily uh, routine effectively to the point where every aspect of their life is affected by this. What's wrong with us? I'd like to submit tonight that, and please mark this, this phrase, outside of a physiological condition, that the battle is in the mind. Amen. It's in the mind. Right. Now, I did a series on this several years back. But we lack peace because we are not thinking correctly. Right. So how do we fix it? How do we fix this? How, how, how do I get the peace? How do I get the joy that the Lord wants me to have? I, 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 I'll tell you how. Notice the title tonight, The Wisdom of Controlling Your Thinking. Amen. And I want to speak on that this evening. 
Do you know when we look through the Bible, we'll find that there are literally hundreds of verses in the Bible that deal with our thinking. Talks a lot about our mind and thinking, our thoughts. Uh, 108 verses in the Bible mention the word mind or minds. For example, Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Second Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power uh, and of love and of a sound mind. Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? How are we transformed? By the renewing of your mind. That's how we're transformed. Over 200 verses in the Bible use the words uh, think or thinketh or thinks or thoughts. Uh, James 2, 4, are ye, are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? The Bible talks about our mind and our thoughts. Uh, it talks about the kind of mind that you and I are supposed to have, what we are to think, right. how we are to think what not to think about, and even how to control our thinking. And so my point to the message tonight is this. The mind, our thinking, is a very important thing to understand biblically. Because what the world says about it is completely opposite of what God says about it. And how we think what is dwelling in our thought life, understand something, it affects everything that we do. It all begins... In the mind, in our thoughts, how we think. Notice Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Begins right here. So I ask you tonight, are you controlling your thinking? Or perhaps the opposite is true. Let's consider, number one, the problem of our thinking. Now, I'm going to get to this verse, but it's going to be towards the end. So you might think I've departed from it, but I have not. One of the mistakes that we make too often is that we deal with symptoms. In other words, we try to remove the symptoms instead of dealing with the cause. Instead of dealing with the root problem, I, my mind goes back to the time when I was, uh, uh, my parents had bought me a used 70s Volkswagen Rabbit. How many remember the Volkswagen Rabbits, all right? I had uh, left college, went two years of secular school and started to work in Atlantic City. My parents wanted to be a blessing, and so in 1983, they bought me a, I forget the year, I was a 1970s Volkswagen Rabbit, cost $1,100. And uh, they bought it for me uh, because I started working full time and uh, I had to drive 40 minutes each way. They were, wanted to get me something that was good on gas uh, from Vineland, New Jersey to Atlantic City. This was before I was married. Well, after driving it for a few months, I noticed when I was going out around one of those circles, that's what we call them in New Jersey, circles, okay? Uh, I don't know why they, they're putting circles in, in Delaware. What do they call now? Roundabouts, sorry, roundabouts. But uh, they were taking them out of Jersey because of too many accidents. They just caused a big mess. But anyway, I remember one of the nights I was coming back from work and I went around one of those circles and I take the turn nice and quick and all of a sudden I see this light flash. Didn't know what it was, just flash real quick and go off. I thought, hmm, wonder what that was. Well, I ignored it. And so I noticed as I was turning, though, uh, on time went on, that that uh, light kept going on. And I think, I think it might have said oil. But when I went straight, it was off. So guess what I did? I said, well, if it's not staying on, then I guess it's nothing to worry about. Hey, I was 20 years old, and I was dumb as, as dumb as you were at 20 years old. Amen? 
Well, I ignored it. Well, guess what happened? I, I chose not to deal with it, and I ended up blowing the engine. One time going home, I was on the highway, and I was like, da, 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 and the thing just blew up. It cost me $1,200 to replace the engine. Uh, that was not smart. But my point is this, again, we can't just look at the symptoms. We can't just look at the light uh, that says oil. We have to say, okay, what's the root problem here? And things like uh, depression, things like discouragement, uh, things like anxiety and worry, even sinful behavior are all symptoms of a root problem. They absolutely are. And understand, we'll never get the victory until we deal with the root problem. And the root problem is this. This is where it all begins. We're not thinking right. right. And when I say right, I mean we're not thinking biblically. Amen. I'll say it again, Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, Amen. so is he. Amen. I like what Job said in Job 20 and verse 2. Therefore my, do my thoughts cause me to answer, and for this I make haste. Notice he's saying, uh, the, way, the reason I'm answering the way I'm answering is because of the way I'm thinking. My thoughts are causing me uh, to answer, and we have to understand tonight that our, pro- our behavior is the product of our thinking. Do you believe that? Well, the world say, no, it's something else. You know, it's an illness. That's what it is. It's a mental illness. No, it's not. It's a problem of your thinking. Right. You see, before we were saved, we did not think biblically. Uh, we didn't. I mean, that's, we, we didn't think about God. We didn't think about his word. We read some things in Genesis 6, 5, for example, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's what the unregenerate man is. We don't think like God wants us to think. We think wrong. We think unbiblically. We think evil. Psalm 10, 4. Uh, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. Watch this. God is not at all in his thoughts. Right. You may go, I, I, I had God in my, not the God of the Bible. If you were lost, right. it was some God you invented in your own mind. But understand, biblically speaking, a person that is not saved has unbiblical thoughts. Evil thoughts, the Bible says, ungodly thoughts, and even has a reprobate mind. Romans 1.28 says, uh, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. That's describing us. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17 talks about uh, that as well, uh, about us having vain thoughts. But understand, when a person gets saved, when they come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, what happens is not only get our sins forgiven, and we have a home in heaven, but God renews our minds. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 talks about that, and Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23. And so once we're saved, understand, we now have the ability to think biblically, if we choose to. Uh, let me pause there for a, moment, for a moment and ask you this. Are you saved tonight? Amen. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Amen. If you were to die, you know for sure you'd go to heaven. Because you're not going to be able to think right, think biblically, or have the kind of life you might imagine to have, peace and joy and a wonderful God-blessed life. You cannot have it unless you're thinking right, and you cannot think right unless you're saved. Lord. Are you saved tonight? Now again, once a person gets saved, everything changes. My point is this. Biblical thinking produces biblical results. 
Biblical thinking produces biblical behavior. If I'm behaving wrong, I'm not looking at things right. The reason is it's in my mind. The problem is my thoughts are wrong. So understand the problem I should have wrote is in our thinking. But then number two, write this down. uh, The principle of controlling our thinking. Now I'm going somewhere. I'm going to land on this verse. I'm hoping I'm going to bring this helicopter down on that verse at the end of this, at the end of this message. But the principles, I should say, S, of controlling our thoughts. Now, if we're going to, if we understand, okay, my, my behavior, my actions are a product of my thinking, understand this principle of controlling our thoughts. There are two Bible principles, two Bible truths that we must understand when we talk about our thinking or our thoughts. Uh, here's the first one, letter A, write it down. We can, and circle that word can, we can control control our thinking. Amen. We can. You see, the Bible clearly teaches us that you and I have the ability to control our thoughts, to direct what we are thinking upon. Right. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, watch this, think on these things. Notice God says, I want you to direct your thinking in this direction on things that are true, on things that are honest, on things that are just, on things. Well, I just, I can't, I can't. I got all these things. No, you can and I can as well. How could he command that if we couldn't do it? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. No, he's saying, don't think that way. Don't think I came here to destroy the law. I didn't. If you did, you're thinking wrong here. Think this way. I came to fulfill them. He's telling us to change, or the disciples there, to change their thinking. Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. What ye shall put on is not the life more than meat, and the body uh, than raiment. So again, he's saying, uh, don't don't think about this. Uh, uh, Be full of care about these things. I'm going to take care of you. Let me handle it. Don't dwell on those things. Don't think that way. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, perhaps the best verse that uh, deals with this subject tonight, about we can control our thinking. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. Let's read verse 4 as well. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Here it is. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's a command. You are to cast down imaginations, the things that aren't true, those things that exalt themselves against the knowledge that are contrary to the word of God, and we are to bring into captivity every thought and make sure every one of our thoughts lines up with the word of God. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
So my point is this, again, contrary to the wisdom of this world, we are not a victim of our thoughts. We are not a victim of our minds. We're not a victim of our past. We're not a victim of our circumstances. The problem is our thinking. And we need to stop, and I repeat, stop making excuses like, well, I just can't stop thinking about it. Yes, you can. Oh, I just can't get over it. Yes, you can. Well, I can't get it out of my mind, preacher. Yes, you can. Well, I just can't stop thinking about these things, thinking this way. You can, you can, you can, you can. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You say how? By consciously directing our thinking. Now, I'm going to get into this here in a little bit. But someone put it this way. I like this statement. They said, we can't stop a bird from flying over our head, but we can stop a bird from building a nest in our hair. In other words, yes, a thought, thoughts may enter into our minds, but what we do with those thoughts is what makes the difference. More later. You see, one of the most, one of the most powerful things that you and I possess is the God-given ability to think. And the God-given ability to choose. And we don't have to dwell on the past. We don't have to dwell on some traumatic event that happened in our lives or our present circumstances. We cannot blame others for our behavior, for the way we react to things. Understand, it all starts in the realm of the mind. If there's a problem there, it's because we're not thinking right. We have to direct our thoughts and choose the right thinking. More about this later. But understand, you can control your thinking. There's another truth that I think is important, a principle. Not only is that we can control our thinking, but number two is we will be called into account for our thinking. Okay, so I, God says, I want you to think this way. And now he says that, indicating I can control my thoughts. Well, guess what? That means God's going to hold us accountable for our thinking. Right. We, we are. Number one, write this down. God knows our thoughts. He knows what you're thinking right now. Amen. I don't know what you're thinking. I'm, I'm kind of glad about that, honestly. When's he going to get done? Anyway, uh, I'm I'm glad that uh, I don't, but God does. Listen to this, Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirits and of the joints and marrow, watch this, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So yes, God is fully aware of our actions. We understand that. He sees what we do. But guess what? He's also fully aware of our thoughts. First Corinthians 3.20, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. God knows their thoughts. Genesis 6.5, I mentioned this. God saw the wickedness of man in the days of Noah, that it was great in the earth, and he even knew and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God knew what they were thinking. Luke 5.22, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Ezekiel 11.5, For I know the things that come into your mind... Every one of them 
Trying to build a case here for what we're going to hit here in this last point. But understand, again, we can control our thinking and our thoughts. And we will be called into account for our thinking. God will know our thoughts. And number two, God will judge our thoughts. That's a sobering thought. <laughs> no pun intended. Romans 2.16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Uh, go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, if you would please. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, familiar verse here. Notice verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment, with every secret thing, Amen. whether it be good or whether it be evil. Amen. That's sobering, isn't it? Right. He knows what you're thinking, and he's going to judge what we're thinking. Amen. So my point is this. I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to say this here tonight. God could not hold me accountable for something that's out of my control. I, I, I can't control my thoughts. Yes, you can. God's going to hold you accountable for it, too. Because, again, our thoughts is what produces our actions and our attitudes and all of that. So based on these foundational things I just laid here, uh, I have the ability and the responsibility to control my thinking. Amen. Which leads me to the last point. You say, already, preacher? Yeah, already. This is a longer one. We see the problem of our thinking, the principle of controlling our thoughts, and then thirdly, the path to biblical thinking. Amen. So we're going to go back to our text. We're not going to get there yet, but to Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 2. So, preacher, you're saying to me that the Bible says that the reason I do what I do I, and I suffer from depression or anxiety or, or even the way I behave, you're telling me it all begins in the mind and our thoughts. And I'm saying, yes. And we can control them. So the question is, how? How do you and I control our thinking? Well, let me say a few things. There are many things out there that, in view, that influence our thoughts, both for good and for bad. Right. There's all kinds of things that are kind of influencing the way you and I think. Well, let's talk about them for a moment. One of those, and I don't have these written down, you can if you want, uh, but one of those is uh, other people. Right. People influence people. Uh, for example, and again, we're talking about good and bad. We're talking about ways that our, our thoughts are influenced. Uh, parents influence our thoughts. Uh, a spouse, if, if that's the case, will influence how we think or our thoughts. Friends will influence how you think. Uh, 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 pastors and teachers all influence our thinking, our thoughts, their philosophy, their philosophies about life, the way they see things, the way they think about things, the way they do things. Understand something, people do influence us. Right. Now again, I'm not saying we don't control our thought, we do. But we are influenced greatly by outside sources on how to think. Right. And it does affect us, our behavior. 
I think of uh, King Solomon. He had to learn that lesson kind of the hard way. If you remember, the Bible says in 1 Kings 11, But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. That's what God says. Be careful, because who you're around is going to influence how you think for good and for bad. And we know Solomon's life went right off the cliff after he did that. Well, what else influences us? Well, things we read and watch. Our eye gates and our ear gates. What we listen to. Understand that God wants us to think biblically, but we're getting all these influence, things that influence our thoughts. Books influence our thoughts. Magazines, movies, news, YouTube videos, all those things. Understand those are external sources that are trying to influence how you and I think. Boy, with modern technology, there's a lot of influencing going on. Matter of fact, there's a whole group of people they call influencers, right? I never even heard of that. We never heard of that in the, when we were younger. But what do you do? Well, I'm an influencer. What in the world's that? You know, I guess they get a lot of people to do things and they get money for that. Whatever the case may be, maybe wrong what I said, but point is this, that, that it happens with the internet and social media and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. You're taking in stuff. You are being influenced. Right. Your thinking is. Emails, text messages, all that stuff. Sometimes our thoughts come from ourselves. We just start thinking about stuff. And it's starting to influence our thoughts, influence our thinking. Uh, For example, we could be sitting there thinking of something from the past that we got hurt with. Somebody hurt me or somebody hurt you. Or sometimes people think of what might happen. It consumes their thoughts. What if this? And what if that? And what if this? What if the economy just goes, you know, everybody goes, what, what if? What, what if uh, China and Russia get together? And, they, and that happens. What if, what if? That, effect, that affects, it's coming from inside of us. Uh, we hear things and then we're, we're starting to think about those things. Some of our thoughts, by the way, uh, are influenced by the devil himself. Uh, probably his demons. I don't think I'm that important to think that I would. He's not omnipresent, so I don't think that I'm that important for him. But certainly one of his demons tempts us to things by whispering in our ears that, oh, uh, sin is fun and being a Christian's a killjoy and you're missing out on life. Uh, uh, what, that's the devil uh, through different means uh, trying to influence our thinking. Amen. That's what he's trying to do. By the way, he's, a, he's the accuser of the brethren, isn't he? Right. We could even accuse ourselves. You ever get yourself in a hole because of the way you're thinking? Well, nobody likes me, and nobody's talking to me. Nobody shook my hand tonight, and nobody's sitting by me, and nobody prayed with me. I guess nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. Well, you say uh, you get hard on yourself with your thinking. I'm no good. I'm the worst mother. I'm the worst father. I'm the worst uh, husband or or wife. Uh, I'm the worst pastor. I'm the worst Sunday school teacher. Uh, You can say all those things. Uh, What's happening? It's coming from inside. These thoughts. I'm not smart enough to do what I do. Whatever. That's possible. 
But you know, then we can get some good thoughts Amen. that are produced by the scriptures. That's why I love coming to church. It's good. Amen. Helps me think right. Uh, there are the good thoughts that are produced as we read our Bibles, uh, as we attend church, uh, as we go to Sunday school, as we hear preaching and teaching and we learn the Bible truths. Uh, those things uh, are designed to produce thoughts in our minds uh, and affect our thinking so that we have that renewed mind we were talking about. My point is this. Our minds are inundated with so many things that want to capture our thinking. And the problem comes, as all these things around us are trying to influence our thoughts, the problem comes when we take unbiblical thoughts and we dwell on them. And we muse on them. And we allow them to ruminate in our minds, churning inside of us. Things that go against, God doesn't love me. He doesn't, all, nobody loves me. Those types of things. And they become a part of our, those thoughts become a part of our thinking. And the thinking produces unbiblical behavior or responses. There it is. So how do we stop this from happening? How do I control my thinking? How do I do that? Well, there's ways. There's some, some ways. Two ways we're going to look at tonight to control your thinking. Number one is this. There is a preventative path. Amen. I'll show you what I mean here in a second. The preventative path. How do I prevent unbiblical thoughts from capturing my thinking and dwelling on them and me embracing them. How do I do that? How do, how do I? Number one is this. Keep yourself from evil influences. Amen. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. This is a preventative way. I'm going to say the verse here, a couple verses here in a minute. But I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. Be careful what you allow in. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. By the way, parents, be careful what you let your children listen to and watch. Don't give them whatever they want on the cell phone. Go into all these places online, uh, YouTube, TikTok, all that, all that junk. Be careful of that because understand what it's doing. If they have a steady diet of that or any at all, in my opinion, it's going to affect their thinking. Right. Amen. And yours as well. I don't do the social media. I'm not saying it's a sin to do it. I'm not. But I am saying this. It's just one, one realm that I don't have to worry about. Because I don't even care. I don't. Now, there's some good things to keep in touch with people, missionaries. I get that. I'm not saying that at all. But there's a whole lot more junk on there Amen. than not junk. And there's a whole lot of things you've got to deal with. And that's fine. I'm just saying, be careful. Be careful. Look at Ephesians 5 and verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, providing what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Notice, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works 
of darkness. Keep yourself away from things that are unbiblical and wrong and evil. Psalm 101 and verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Imagine uh, the psalmist is saying, I won't put a wicked thing before our eyes. Imagine if we stood by that one. We wouldn't be looking at a whole lot of things today. Because there's a lot of wicked out there. A lot. So keep yourself from evil influences. This is a preventative path. If, I'm, if I know that something's going to affect my thinking, I'm not going to immerse myself in it. I, again, sometimes we can't help some things, but once I say, no, 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 not doing that, no, no, no. Watch out for YouTube, watch out for all that. One video leads to a next, to a next, to a next, to a next, and the next thing you know, you're like, what is, what is this? What am I looking at? This is ridiculous. It's affecting my thinking, and it affects yours. So keep yourself from evil influence. And then number two, cast out unbiblical thoughts. So we have all these influences going on around us, as we said. Cast out unbiblical thoughts. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5. I've read it already, but it's worth reading again because I want to hang on it a little bit here in a moment. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Do you see how it is? Now, I dealt with this in a whole series uh, probably three or four years ago. But any thought that you hear from any source, whether it be an outside external source or it be something coming from your own mind and in your own heart, if that thought, that idea, that philosophy is not Bible, it's not Bible truth, what are we to do according to that verse? Well, I'll say the words in a minute. But we should refuse it, Amen. we should reject it, right. and we should replace it with Bible truth. Again, we're casting down those things uh, that exalteth themselves against the knowledge of God. We're bringing into captivity the source under the obedience of Christ. So if it's not biblical, I'm casting it off. I'm rejecting it. I'm not embracing it Amen. as a part of my thinking. Right. Amen. You see, don't let any unbiblical thinking replace Bible truth. Right. Lies, like I said before, God doesn't love me. Well, that, that, well, a little bit of that sinful activity, that won't affect me. That's all unbiblical truth and wrong thoughts. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus Christ did when he was tempted by the devil? What did the devil try to do? Sell him some lies, partial truth, incomplete scripture. What did Christ do? He rejected it and he replaced it with biblical truth, quoting the Bible. And we see the devil fled from him. So that's how we, that's the preventative path. Keep yourselves from evil influences, those things that will affect your thinking, friends and those types of things, and then cast out unbiblical thoughts. And then letter B, there's the proactive path. Now go back to Proverbs. You thought I'd never get here. Proverbs 16 and verse 3. Watch this. Commit thy works unto the Lord... And thy thoughts shall be established. So in a preventative way, I'm watching out for things that are trying to get me to think wrong. 
And, and then um, when I things do get in, whether I'm listening to the news or whatever, and, and, you know, unbiblical truth comes in, what I do, I cast it away. I replace it with biblical truth. But then there's something I can do proactively to engage my mind in the right thoughts. Right. You say, what are they? Commit thy works unto the Lord. Amen. Watch this. If you commit your works to God, God says your thoughts will be established. Here's what, here's what I believe is what it's saying here. You can create a hunger and a thirst for just about anything. Right. You can. Amen. Do you know why I started wrestling growing up? Because my brothers were wrestlers. That's why. I watched them wrestle. I said, I want to do that. And they made sure I wanted to do it, right? They influenced me, you see? And so I did that, and so when they were showing me wrestling and I was getting involved, guess what it did? It created a hunger for wrestling. Um, do you know why I liked the Flyers growing up? We, we, we loved to watch the Broad Street Bullies in the 70s. Yeah, LCB, right? Where's Linda, right? LCB line, right? Leach, Clark, and Barber. She could probably name all the teams, the guys on the team at that time. How did, I, how did, I know, how did that happen? Because of my older brother's. They created that thirst in me by getting me involved. I Come on and watch the game. I sat and watched the game. Come on and watch, watch us wrestle. We did. Guess what it did? It created that thirst. Now watch this. I said that to say this. One of the ways we create a hunger and thirst for the things of God and get ourselves thinking spiritually and biblically is to be involved in the work of God. Amen. That's how. Amen. Get involved with the work of God. I'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. Good. That'll keep you thinking right. Amen. You see, being involved in God's work, if we commit our work, I got to say, this is how you can establish your thoughts. Get involved in the work of God. Right. It'll Amen. keep you thinking spiritually. You will be concerned about Amen. the salvation of souls Amen. when you're going after souls. Amen. You'll be concerned about the needs of others when you're involved with the needs of others. Amen. You'll be concerned about the spiritual growth of people when you get involved with people. Amen. If you're not involved, right. you won't care. Right. You won't care. You know, when... When I, I played probably lots of sports, I mean, obviously. I mean, uh, no. Uh, sometimes, you know, when I was sitting on the bench, which was rare, but there were times, I wasn't that really as interested as when I was in the game. Right. My sister, we grew up in a lost home, so please take this with a grain of salt, but... She was a, one of the high school cheerleaders, right? And she'd go to the football away games, and we, we liked to know the scores, and she would come home and say, what was the score of the game? She'd say, I don't know. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you don't know? What was the score? It's our, it's our high school. Did we win? Did we lose? Well, I think we won. What do you mean you think we won? <laughs> well, I, I was doing my thing. You know, I wasn't paying attention. Because she wasn't involved in the game. Maybe, maybe... We don't care because we're not involved. Right, that's good. And our thoughts are on everything else. Right. Not what they should be on. Right. And we start getting pulled away from unbiblical things because we could fix our thinking if we got so consumed with the work of God. Amen. That would consume our thoughts. Amen. That's a remedy the Lord. of controlling thinking. Amen. 
Get involved. Don't say, well, when I start caring, I'll get involved. No, it's the other way around. You get involved, and then you'll start caring. That's the way it works. So I asked you tonight. I said all that to say this. Are you controlling your thinking? How is your thinking? What is it producing in your life? Say, how do I know if I'm thinking right? Well, are you depressed? Are you down all the time? And, and all that? Something's wrong with your thinking. Are you engaging in things you should not? Guess what? It all starts here in your mind. Amen. Fix your thinking. Right. And you'll fix your life. Think biblically. Get involved with the work of God. Amen. Cast out things that are wrong. Watch who you're hanging out. Watch those influences. Uh, guard that thinking. Whatever comes in, take in the truth. Cast out the wrong. Because if we don't guard this area of our life, Amen. we're not going to do a whole lot for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And we're not going to have victory in our lives. Amen. We'll be depressed, discouraged about everything. And it's all because of our thinking. It all begins in the mind. Amen. Control it. Amen. You can. You can have a victorious life. The and the abundant life that Christ promised. Amen. It's not because of everybody else. Because of your own mind. Amen. If you'd look at things the right way.